What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. You need to lose 150 pounds. 150 pounds? What are you talking about? I'm, I'm in the business because of my brains, because of my connections, because of the things I can do for you, not my physique. Are you out of your mind? There ain't going to be no 150 pounds being lost. I'll do what it takes to get in the wrestling business. I'll be up there by your side. I'll do everything it takes. That's it. You want to know the real reason why you can't be on SmackDown? That'd be nice. Because I'm not above taking a sucker for a ride. What? Look at you. You've never worked a day in your life. Everything you have, you've paid for in car washes or steak and shake coupons. Don't get me wrong. You are still morbidly obese with an overly developed set of man boobs and your breath smells like hot garbage. But you use people. You get what you want from them and you crumple them up and throw them away. Well, tonight, Kenny Bolin, you get a taste of your own medicine. I don't need you. But you know what? I hear uh, Golden Corral's having all-you-can-eat pork fat. Why don't you go over there and get yourself another chin? See you later. Where are you going? Where are you? This is the two-man power trip of wrestling. My name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only Primetime John Paz and John. Today on the show, we're performing out of a remote location, or at least I am, and we are so happy to bring to you the one and only star maker himself, Kenny Boland. 
And this interview was recorded prior to some recent health issues that Kenny Bolin has gone through, and obviously we wish him nothing but the absolute best in his recovery. But when you think about Kenny Bolin, you think about a guy who definitely does not shy away from any kind of controversy. He's very outspoken. He loves to say what's on his mind. And you think about his time in wrestling. He's a longtime fan. He's a good friend of the one and only Jim Cornette. And I think the time he's been in OVW, the time he was in professional wrestling, he's overlooked as a manager that definitely has gone down as being one of the more representative of that Ohio Valley wrestling circuit. But when you talk to him, it's unpredictable. When you get his views on what's going on in wrestling, it's obviously going to be a little bit off the wall, and this is no exception. So, John, as I welcome you in here, talk about Kenny Bolin as a manager. Talk about what he did down there in OVW and how he helped some, gosh, 20, 30, 40, 50 talents get from OVW up to the WWE. Yes, Chad, back here again at the two-man power chip of wrestling for another fantastic episode, this time featuring an OVW legend, quite possibly the last true heel in the wrestling business, and that is Kenny Bolin, the star maker himself, yes, joins the show today, and boy, dude, was this a ton of fun to do because you never know where he's going to go with a topic. You never know what he's going to say. You never know what he's going to do. He's a very unpredictable guy. And he's a very funny guy. And you just kind of got to roll with the punches and go, you know, wherever he's going, you got to kind of follow and follow his lead and get there. So a lot of fun stuff. Uh, obviously, he was a great manager down there in OVW. Bowling services should ring a bell to a lot of people because he had a lot of great guys that he managed through the years obviously Rico Constantino who he recently started a GoFundMe page for anybody that hasn't seen that or hasn't gone out and donated please check out the GoFundMe page for Rico and think about donating or maybe even sharing because that might help raise some money for Rico right now and obviously Kenny Bolin and Rico are really good friends besides Kenny Bolin having managed him but then you got Sylvester Turkai, Sean O'Hare, Mark Jindrak, guys like that but of course one big name that you gotta mention that he managed was John Cena and that was kind of a, a big topic of discussion in this interview a lot of fun to see what he thought of Cena then what he thinks of Cena now great stuff on John Cena really enjoyed that stuff and we do get a lot of fun comments about The Miz as well. So this is a really fun, unpredictable two-man power trip of wrestling episode. And I really, really enjoyed a lot of those unpredictable, uncensored, crazy comments from Kenny. Outspoken to say the least, an absolute fireball to say the least, and unpredictable and off the wall. And I love that about Kenny Bolin, but you can't talk about Kenny Bolin without talking about the guy I mentioned a few minutes ago. And that's the one and only Jim Cornette. And you can't talk about Kenny Bolin without talking about Jim Cornette because the two of them have such a long history together. And it's so cool to see friends interacting the way that they do, whether it's on Jim Cornette's podcast or Kenny Bolin's podcast. I know Cornette might not like to hear it, but you can't talk about Kenny Bolin without talking about Jim Cornette. And these two have such a great chemistry together. And John, talk about that chemistry. Talk about that friendship with Jim Cornette and how Kenny Bolin and him, they just, when they get together, it's always going to be interesting to hear. I'd love to be 
a fly on the wall for a non-wrestling related conversation, but the two of them, such a great relationship, such a great friendship, but uh, sometimes the best friends make even better enemies. Yes, Chad, great point. You can't mention Kenny Boland without mentioning his great friend, his best friend, that is James E. Cornett, Jim Cornett, of course, and we talk about him a little bit in the interview on a couple different topics, I guess you could say. I mean, one topic that just kind of, you know, fresh in my mind because I thought it was so funny. Obviously, Kenny Bolin is uh, an accomplished author as well. He wrote a great funny book, uh, I Probably Screwed You Too, which you should check out. I believe it's now out on Amazon, so please check that out. And he had a funny story about that book selling more books than Cornette's most recent book. And, of course, when I saw Jim... um, couple weeks ago at a show i asked him and i said oh we you know who do you think sold more books and then he said you know why are you asking so i said oh we just interviewed kenny bolin and he happened to mention that he had sold more books and Cornette is laughing you know in a classic Cornette laugh and he's like uh i think he's a bullshitter i think he's full of shit so it's just funny to to be able to uh, get to tell Cornette about a story on our show it's just very cool stuff but uh kenny Boland just has some funny stuff he says about Cornette's book he's got some great stuff that he says about his own book so of course when you have kenny Boland on the star maker himself you got to talk about the man himself james e Cornette. but this was a really fun one, and Kenny is just kind of underrated as a manager, underrated as a guy in the business, and underrated as a guy who developed a lot of guys that would go on to be WWF stars or WWE stars. I think it's something like 50 guys that have gone through OVW that have made it to the mainstream TV, whether it be WWE, TNA, etc. So quite an accomplishment for Kenny Bolin. It's a fun interview. It's definitely a walk down OVW memory lane, and that's always cool because I think a lot of people overlook OVW's place in WWE history for all the stars that came out of there. And obviously, you heard it off the top with John Cena and Kenny Bolin interacting right before John Cena became a full time wwe superstar but it's a lot of fun and definitely check out kenny bolin on his show and obviously i said it earlier please keep him in your thoughts and prayers as he's battling some health issues as we speak and we wish nothing but the best to the star maker kenny bolin and john as we get wrapped up here and we start heading towards the end of the year we are going to open up 2017 in such a huge way and our two-year anniversary is on january 10th and we're so pumped to get ready for that but john as the music starts to creep in and i thank you for bearing with me while i'm at this remote location hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the star maker kenny bowling and now for some tmpt business like us on facebook follow us on twitter at two-man power trip and at Rasslin' Pal, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, check out the feed for past legendary episodes featuring the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, Bruno Sammartino, Jesse the Body Ventura, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, WWE Lead Attorney, Jerry McDivitt, the phenomenal AJ Styles, the Demon Kane, Dean Ambrose, and so many more. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Also, while you're surfing the web, go to wrestlinginc.com. Yes, that is wrestlinginc.com. 
your number one news source for professional wrestling and sports entertainment. Also, please check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com for your t-shirt needs. Featuring stores like our own store at the two-man power trip of wrestling, Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Magnum TA, Paul Orndorff, Kevin Thorne, and Buff Bagwell. Also, for you Android users out there, check us out on Player FM. And now, without any further ado, he is an author, he is a manager, he is known as King B, the King of Managers. He is the manager, of course, of Bowling Services. He is the star maker himself. He is Kenny Bowling. Please enjoy. Talk to me, on the ESPN network. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Well, man, if you're ready to go, so are we. Let's do it. All right. Well, joining us on the line tonight is the man known as the star maker. He's probably insulted you at some point, or he's probably said something that's gotten... Or, or he has screwed you. Or he screwed you, but he's also probably said something that's gotten under your skin. He is the one and only Kenny Starmaker Bolin. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. You know what? You said uh, off the air, you told me you guys have a bit of a low-budget operation over there. And, and I, too, have been guilty of the low-budget operation. We just finally stepped things up here a little bit when we finally actually gave a shit just to find out how many downloads we actually get. And to kind of let you know where the bowling alley was before, we were averaging thirty to 40,000 downloads a month. And we were real happy with that. Uh, we were kind of running neck and neck with what Cornet gets. And I'm not on the MLW network. I'm not on Podcast One or some of these these blow-me networks where you get on there and brag about how fucking great you are forever. We just get on and we uh, we take live calls. We answer the people's questions. And uh, we don't give a shit if they like us or don't like us. We'll still put you on the air as long as you're not a fucking moron. And um, so we were proud with that. Well, when we put Russo on, we got a lot of heat from mainly Cornette. And a few others, all oh, fuck Russo, I hate him, and mainly from the Cornet fans. And I said, well, we used to feel the same way. We used to hate Russo, what a dick, what a moron, what a know-nothing, what a fuck-up. And then I said, well, you know what? Uh, what I'm starting to realize is that all these people that I hate, I hate them because of Jimmy Cornet. And I'm <laughs> not giving these people a fair chance. I am hating, and then I'm starting to realize I'm running out of people to like, because Cornet fucking hates everybody. And anybody that doesn't agree with Cornette, he hates them. And uh, Jimmy lost a couple of jobs because of Russo. So my son, he says, well, Dad, what we ought to do, we ought to try and get Russo on the bowling alley. And I'm thinking, I don't think he'll ever do that. I said, we probably have a better shot of getting on his show than we would getting him on ours. He'll, he'll think it's an ambush. He knows, we're, you know, I'm best friends with Cornette, or at least one time was. 
And um, so I'll be goddamn if he, uh, y'all know who Dave the crying guy is, Dave Willis, the guy, well, he's the guy that says it's still real to me. Oh, okay, yes, I've, uh, yes, seen him around, of course. Well, he was on Russo's show, and he said, goddamn it, Vince, if you want to have an entertaining show, you need to get the Bowens on your show. And they'll give you a fair shake. They're not going to judge you, you know, they're not going to prejudge you because of Cornette. They'll give you a fair shot, and they'll be entertaining, and I think you'll enjoy having them on. God damn it, get them on. Russo says, I tell you what, uh, get in touch with Kenny Boland, tell him he's welcome on my show anytime. I'm going to give him a shot. I'd like to have him on. So sure enough, about three or four months later, we finally made it on. We clicked like a million dollars. Don't don't necessarily agree with everything he says, and I highly doubt he agrees with everything I say. Uh, But we clicked well, and I'll be goddamn if we, in one month, didn't have 155,000 downloads in one month. And you got to remember, I don't do these multiple weekly shows, the Cornette and all these guys. Some of these guys do a show every day. We do one show a month. And the reason I do that is how much do I really have to fucking say to do a show every damn day of the week, four weeks a month? Or can we make the try and entertain the people once a month? And then obviously, like your shows and various others, I'll do other shows and hopefully we can entertain them too, or maybe answer a few questions I've never been asked before. Sometimes it happens. Or sometimes the people that listen to your show may not listen to mine or others that I've been on. And in some of the shit I've told a thousand times, they're hearing for the first time. And uh, so that's why I try and give everybody a shot. And as long as you got a half-assed decent operation, uh, you have a bit of a clue as to who I am. I mean, if I come on and they don't know shit about me, I'll end that damn thing in a hurry. I mean, why have <laughs> me on? Or at least ask some questions to learn something. But other times, you know, there's only been two shows I've, I've bailed out on to where they were just fucking morons and it was they were just blowing themselves just trying to have somebody on a show. And uh, but for the most part, most of you guys do a pretty good job and and uh, are respectful and uh, and you may or may not agree or disagree with me. I mean, I don't care. Uh, we all have our opinions. I mean, hell, you might like uh, New Japan wrestling and I might think it sucks. Uh, but actually, I've actually watched a couple of episodes of New Japan, and they're not that bad. A lot better than a lot of other shit we're seeing. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And you touched on a couple of things there that I definitely want to uh, dial back and hit. And it's uh, I really appreciate the the compliment and uh, definitely uh, you know the props that you gave. Uh, the show ain't the show ain't over yet. So let's not get too <laughs> well, no, no. I'm talking about the genre itself because for somebody like you, you know, you've been on television. You know, you've been doing wrestling for a long time. Obviously, you've known wrestling World, worldwide television. I'm on in the Philippines right now, and uh, didn't know it till about uh, six months ago. Uh, there you go. Uh, they're run, they're running packages over there of me and Cena and tying it into to SmackDown which airs on the Fox network over there. And my girlfriend, for those that that do or do not know, uh, lives in Manila. And uh, we don't don't get to see each other as much as we used to when she used to be able to come here with her uh, aunt. But her aunt married the guy she was coming to see here. Long story short, she can't really come here no more. So it looks like I'm going to have to move there uh, maybe next summer. And uh, But she calls me one day, and uh, we call on Skype like you and I are doing. And she tells me that her grandmother is sitting in the living room watching me on television. I said, well, honey, I said, did I send you a DVD of me? I said, uh, I don't remember that I did that. I said, when did I send you a DVD? No DVD. No, I'm, we're watching you on, on Fox on, on the SmackDown. I said, what fat fuck's on there that looks like me on SmackDown <laughs> that they think's me? So I'm trying to picture in my head who the fuck they could be watching. No, no, honey, you standing in the ring. You got the briefcase. It says uh, the BS. Uh, 
you got a guy with long hair, you got John Cena, and you're doing the talking, and then and they talking too. I'm going, holy fucking shit, they're showing OVW shit over there on SmackDown. So this goes on for 20 some odd weeks, and, it, and it's still going. And she, But she'd call me every week, oh, my uncle called me, uh, honey, your boyfriend on TV. And they would, it's a big deal to them. Uh, they just freak out that uh, little Lena's uh, boyfriend is on Filipino television. So I'm actually getting a pretty good fan base over there from the people that see my shows over there. And uh, so it's a shame that there's people in the Philippines that know more about me than people right here in the good old U.S. of A. <laughs> and that's awesome because I remember with OVW, see, we're in the Northeast, and there was one, I believe it was my, uh, my wife's sister had some kind of direct TV package where OVW actually appeared on Friday nights, and I was able to get over there sometimes. Well, wait, well, wait, wait a minute, where do you live? We li well, we're both from New Jersey, so it was some... Hey, you, got, you got an OVW it was, package on New Jersey? Yeah, it was a direct TV, some weird direct TV package, and I remember I was wow. over there one night, it was a Friday night, and I saw a C yeah. CW pop up, and I was like, oh, that's weird, you know, wrestling, it just said that's, wrestling. That's, that's the network we were on for quite some time. And I saw OVW wrestling, I mean, I'd always read about it, and you know, at I that point. Because uh, we were on as far north as Dayton, Ohio, because uh, they would buy the package. Yeah. And we were on in Cincinnati, Indianapolis, uh, West Virginia, two or three cities in Ohio, but really as far north as we went was Dayton, and I had no clue we were ever on in New Jersey. It, it must have been some kind of screwy DirecTV package where, you know, you got either, I don't know. Well, if it, here, here's the old trick you could do with that. I'm a diehard Cincinnati Reds fan, so what I did is when I ordered my DirecTV, I gave them a Cincinnati zip code and an address that I knew did not have DirecTV. And those suckers fell for it, and they thought my account was somewhere in uh, downtown Cincinnati. <laughs> and so I got all the Cincinnati Reds games, no blackouts, no nothing. I got to see, you know, fuck, 140 Cincinnati Reds games a year. That's awesome. Because uh, they thought I had Cincinnati television. And I told people, I said, well, if you want to see OVW so goddamn bad, punch in a uh, Louisville zip code, 40218, 40220, whatever, and find you an address that doesn't have DirecTV, and then you can watch OVW that way. And you're still going to get all your networks. You're going to get all your other shit. Just your local channels are now going to be out of Louisville. And I said, that just depends how bad you want to see OVW. So do you think maybe they did that? I have no clue. Just, or was it just part of a CW network? I, I don't know if it was a CW, if it was a mistake. What, what year was it? This had to have been 2001, maybe 2002. Okay, that's yeah. Really, that's really about when we got going with him because we were on Fox 41 when we started. Yeah. And then and then we went to the WB. WB, that's what I meant to say. WB. It was definitely yeah, We went to the WB. Yep. And then later we went to the CW. Right. It was still the WB. I remember that specifically, but it was uh during the run with Cena where Cena was just getting on to the main roster and he was kind of okay. breaking up with Bowling Services. And you know, I yeah. guess that's a great place to kind of, you know, touch on. If it's on in the Philippines and they're lucky as hell that they get to see that, and I know WWE hasn't oh, really put that out. Some good, they're seeing good shit in its entirety because the WWE shit has been edited. Right. And I remember, uh, not to blow myself, but Cornette does enough of it, so I'll do a little bit here too. <laughs> there was, uh, this was when I lived, uh, oh hell, it was the first time I'd ever moved into an apartment. I'd been in houses uh, most of my wrestling career, but. I was getting older, slowing down. Uh, I wasn't renting to wrestlers anymore, so I didn't need four- and five-bedroom houses. So I just got a one-bedroom apartment. So I have a bunch of people over for uh, WrestleMania one night, but here's the deal. That week, I had been on Raw, SmackDown, 
uh, ECW, back when ECW was still on, and I'll be goddamn if they didn't run a package, including me and Cena during WrestleMania. So I was on Mania, Raw, SmackDown, and ECW. Someone told me that I am the only person, roster or non-roster, that appeared on every one of their shows in one week. And they said, I, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to call anybody on that. They said, but I can assure you, you are the only person. They said, we know for a fact you're the only non-contracted person ever to do it. They said, but we started thinking, and I don't even think a contracted wrestler has appeared on all four shows. Because there's a shitload of people that don't make mania. You know, they were in the pre-shows. Right. And wouldn't get on. So, But here's the thing. I was only on a few seconds at a time each time. And WrestleMania, I was on maybe two seconds. It was just a package. There I am in the King B vest, standing next to Cena. He's talking. I'm behind him, hooting and hollering or whatever. And I got more emails, more phone calls. You would think that 500,000 people saw that two seconds of film. And uh, it, it blew me away that a little two-second blip just blew my fucking internet up. It was uh, unreal on what WrestleMania can do to somebody. And, oh, I was a big deal because, oh, King, you're on WrestleMania. Well, no one said how long. I didn't. <laughs> I was on there. They sent me a check. I was going to say, you need the WrestleMania payday that uh, some of the guys that don't get on the show uh, miss out on. But what do you think about Cena at that point, leaving OVW and just getting on as a, you know, as a kind of almost a ham and egger at the bottom half of the roster at that time? And boom, here we are well, 15 years later. Especially when he was with Buchanan. But you know what? We, we at OVW didn't give a shit. Our job is to get you to the roster. What you do once you get there. But I wouldn't say that Cena was a ham and egger because if you'll remember, they really gave him the, uh, the pat on the back when they had him do the bit with the undertaker. And then undertaker goes in the back and says, Hey, good match. You know, which Taker didn't do for fucking anybody. But Taker is the one that really put Cena over on uh, a show they had on SmackDown. And, um, so, and then of course he eventually teamed up with Buchanan he dropped down a little bit, but, he, they all, I think finally they figured out that he was going to be a major player there and he, he was just you know making the proper steps to where these days they'll fucking bring somebody up out of NXT and put the fucking world title on them uh, two weeks later. Hmm. Well, fuck, didn't they have a girl didn't they have a girl do that? When, didn't one of the girl wrestlers come up and get the goddamn title uh, like the first week or two she was there? Paige originally, yeah, as soon as she yeah, was Paige, there, I think oh, she Paige, won Paige, her first yeah, match. Paige, yeah. I think Paige did it on her first show. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah. So what's the heat with Paige? I hear Paige has got some heat now, because I don't really follow it that much. Uh, and I quit watching Divas. I mean, what a fucking train wreck. I mean, if I want to see a train wreck, I'll tune in and watch it, because <laughs> it is ridiculous the shit they try to make people believe is real. All these boyfriends wandering around in the back and having say and all it. Fuck. I guarantee you it ain't changed that much since I've left. If, there, there were times they didn't want me wandering around in the back during certain shows. More or less, these fucking dickhead boyfriends. <laughs> no fucking shit about the business and wandering around looking like fucking yard monkeys trying to get a goddamn job somewhere. Um, no, that, that, that shit does not happen. That is strictly for Divas Television. Uh, anybody who's ever been backstage at a WWE event for a taping. House shows are a little more relaxed. Uh, but if it's a TV taping and if Vince is there, these dickless wonders are not going to be wandering around backstage. Hmm. 
I believe Paige is dating Alberto Del Rio, and Del Rio yeah. is leaving the company. So I think that's the heat with her. And, I, and, and, I, and I've heard, and I've heard the company wants Del Rio. This is shit I'm hearing that they want Del Rio and her to break up. The Rio was going to leave. Now I hear he's not going to leave. And why? I mean, isn't there like 95 examples there of? Uh, these fucking inbreeders fucking each other and hooking up, and because uh, they apparently they can't find anybody else that can deal with them outside of the business. Uh, mm-hmm. To my to my to my uh, proudness, I will say I never ever dated anybody in the business. Uh, not even dated them. I mean, once they left a territory or something, if they came back through town, there might be a nightly hookup or something. Um, and I, and no, I wasn't always a big fat fuck. I actually was actually <laughs> at one time and, uh, but yeah, but still to this day though, I'm amazed at the girls that will give me the time of day. Uh, basically I try to be a pretty nice guy, treat people good. And, um, and some people ignore the fact that I'm fat. So, uh, you know, <laughs> got to take what we can get, <laughs> but no, the, uh, the diva thing is, Oh God, I, I, 80% of that shit you see on there wouldn't happen in a million fucking years. If I could circle back a second to, because uh, we were talking about John Cena and Bowling Services stuff, when he yeah. was with you down there in OVW, did you see him becoming like the megastar moneymaker? The, the first fucking day he was there, I went to Danny and Jimmy and I said, why is he with me? What hmm. the fuck is he doing? I said, you've already got me and Rico together. And um, Rico begged them to put him with me. They, they wanted to keep him babyface. They didn't think Rico could be a heel. And uh, I had to beg Jimmy on the phone for weeks. Rico sitting at my side telling him, hey, tell Jimmy I can fucking do this. So here, here's how the me and Rico thing got together. And that's what led to Cena. Um, we had a six-week trial. We kept telling, no, no, it won't work. He's too established here as a baby face. Look at him. He's a natural-born baby face. I said, well, to be in the WWE, he's going to have to learn to be both. He thinks he can do it. I think he can do it because I know what he's like when we go out. He can be a prick. Uh, if he needs to be, and I said, I say, give us six weeks. I said, if it don't work in six weeks, if the crowd ain't buying it, fuck it. You can say, I told you so. And then switching back baby face. I said, but if not admit you're fucking wrong and that I actually know more than you about some shit. And, uh, and we keep Rico Hill. All right. You got six fucking weeks and then I'll switch him baby face. Cause it ain't going to work, but I'll fucking humor you. And that's Cornette telling me this shit. Well, needless to say in six weeks, he was the hottest fucking heel in the company. They hated his fucking guts. He would call me dad in the ring. Well, I thought he was 25 when he got here, and I was 39. Turned out he was 38, and I was 39. So um, he was 13 years fucking younger than I thought he was. But he would call me dad, and here he was a year younger, and he'd hug me before the matches, and he'd pray in the corners and all his shit. And they hated his fucking guts. And his reasoning for, he had just come back from a bad injury that he had uh, uh, suffered with Flash Flanagan. And so when he came back, and y'all remember who Rico the stylist is, right? Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, well, you'd be amazed how many people when I say, Rico, who? Was he in the WWE? That's how new a lot of the fans are now that they have no clue what was happening three, four years ago. That's terrible. (laughs) It is. So um, his reasoning was the only person that ever checked on me, the only person that cared about me, the only person I got a card from, not only a card, visits from, came to my hospital bed, was Kenny Bowen. The people, the, the man you all hate around here, the man you all think so disgusting, is so so terrible, such a horrible human being. Kenny Bowen's a great guy. Kenny Bowen is godlike. He saved me. 
when Jimmy Cornette, Danny Davis, or even you, Dean Hill, you know, shit, not always the announcer, hmm. you all would, I never got a card from you. No one checked on me. No one did Cornette say, yeah, we did. We said, no, you didn't. I never got crap from you guys. And then he hugged me, but Kenny Bolin was there by my side. Oh, yeah, I bet Bolin was there. I wonder, you should check your wallet, you know, and all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it went over like a million fucking dollars. They despised him, made him hate me even worse because I stole their baby face. And then Rico got credit for bringing in Cena. Uh, he was the prototype. He wanted somebody here. You know, there's only one Rico. I need somebody who's as good as me, who's as good looking as me, who uh, when I need a tag team partner, I can have one that I trained and developed. And they both came from California. They both came from Bassman. And uh, but he was doing that robot shit out there, which wasn't going to happen here. So we just still kept him as the prototype and just made him a fucking human being instead of a robot. And uh, it worked like a million dollars. They called him the homo type, the altar boy. Oh, they hated his fucking guts from the day he got here. He was getting more fucking heat than Rico. Then Rico gets called up. So that leaves me with Cena and Sean O'Hare and Mark Henry. So I'm telling you, man, I had an all-star fucking roster. I mean, Bull Buchanan, uh, Rico Constantino, Mark Henry, John Cena, uh, my supporting cast of Crony, uh, Thurston Throckmorton, Miss Lulu, the, the head nurse of Bowling Services. And uh, so we had a hell of a supporting cast, man, and we just fucking dominated around here. And then everybody starts getting called up from, uh, from Bull Buchanan to Lance Cade to Jindrak to... Uh, the Miz, I mean, the Miz, I think the Miz was the last one I managed that got called up. Uh, him and, uh, of course, Aaron the Idol Stevens, he went up as Damian Mizdow, and then he got let go and then got called back again. Uh, I think he was the first one of my guys ever to do that. But um, someone put the numbers together and said that the 54 people I managed at least got an opportunity in either the WWE, TNA, or ROH. So that ain't a bad run over, over nine years. Huh. But no, Impressive. we. But, I, but me, Jimmy, and Danny knew Danny uh, knew that Re, uh, Cena was going to be a star from day one. Uh, we knew it. I didn't even know why he was with me. But ne none of the three of us really had egos big enough. We didn't give a fuck who got the promos. Sometimes we'd divide them up equally. Sometimes Cena would do all the talking, and me and Rico would stand behind him. Sometimes Rico would do all the talking, and me and Cena would stand behind him. We never cared. We never, you know, we we knew we were a team. And Cena, even back in the day, was always putting over bowling services. The heat was on bowling services, not necessarily Rico, Cena, or Kenny Bowling. We tried to make the heat on the company. Now, of course, when I was managing, the heat got directed my way because I was the easiest target. I'm out there a foot from them. So the Porky Chance or the, you know, whatever the fuck they wanted to call me, Porky was their favorite because Danny <laughs> Davis got that started from day one. And I was pissed because when I showed up there, I weighed 275, thought I looked pretty good. And I'm doing announcing with Dean Hill and getting ready to start managing to lure Cornette down here to put a stop to me. And so that was the original layout and plan of me doing commentary and managing one match a show. And I'd tell, hey, Dean, can you handle this while I'm gone? You know, don't, don't, don't cave the show and don't let the ratings drop too far. I'll save it later. Let me go manage this <laughs> match. Let me get another victory on my belt here. And then I'd go down and manage Rip Rogers or who the fuck ever and, and, um, and lay in the groundwork for Cornette to come down here and put a stop to me. And that was about a one to two year plan. And then eventually Cornette was going to come here and fucking run me out of the territory. 
And uh, But the introduction in the program at night, we'd like to welcome to the broadcast booth, Kenny Porky Bolin. And I found out mm-hmm. when the show started. I'm going, <laughs> you motherfuckers. And so I guess I grew into my character, I guess is what happened. I don't know. <laughs> but no, Cena was good. But the one that didn't was Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon tried to let Cena go. They, they were going to cut him. They were going to cut Rico. And we had to beg Stephanie McMahon and... Thank God Steve Austin believed in him as much as we did because he come down here, did a show with us at Louisville Gardens. He loved Cena. Hell, he loved Rico even more because he actually did a bit with me and Rico and Jim Ross. Uh, we all did a bit in the ring at one of our Louisville Gardens shows. And uh, Stone Cold fell in love with him. And when he found out they were trying to let him go, we told Steve Austin about it. Steve says, well, we're coming to Freedom Hall on such and such date. Here's what we do. He says, Bolin manages them, so he knows what they can fucking do. Cornette, uh, you you help uh, you know, with the promos and booking them and everything. You know what they do. And Danny Davis, what they thought was his trainer, but that wasn't the case. And Danny Davis says, so why don't we all go in? And I love them, too. So why don't we all go into Stephanie's office and say, hey, if you're letting them go, you're paying them for fucking 90 days anyway. Put these guys on the road for 90 days. Let them see what they're made of. And then after the end of 90 days, if you're not impressed, let him go. And if you are, you're kind of like the deal that I got with Rico to get him to be a heel. So now he's having to audition again, uh, him and Cena. And I'll be goddamn, look what happened. At the end of 90 days, they fucking had contracts. Rico was there for four years, and uh, hell, apparently now they can't run Cena off with a stick of dynamite. And basically still the biggest draw in the company, even though they're trying to uh, put that uh, saddle on somebody else, because I think Cena is... Even though he said he would never leave wrestling, it looks like Cena wants to do other shit now. And it looks like Cena's tired of taking bumps every fucking night. So he, he hadn't been taking as many lately, has he? No, very. No. He had the AJ Styles and, match, and, but he really I, hasn't wrestled as much. Yeah, and I don't blame him. That's, that's how you last a million years in the business, like a Jerry Lawler. I mean, Lawler used to take the bumps back in the day, but as time went on, you know, Lawler wrestled smart, uh, you know, uh, other than letting LaDuke Le throw him over the top rope and fucking his leg up uh, when you just come off the middle rope with a fist drop and when you throw fire and when you power drive people, you don't have to take a whole lot of bumps. The only thing I can criticize Lawler over is that he took way too many fucking big backdrops from people like Joe LaDuke. I think the backdrop is the stupidest fucking thing in the business. Who the fuck ever would be given a backdrop and who the fuck would ever take one? And I'll, you'd always get criticized. Well, why'd you do that? You wouldn't do that in a wrestling match. I said, I can name you 55 fucking things. I said, I was an amateur wrestler. I was 212-0 and 0 at Oldham County. You can't talk to me about amateur wrestling. I know all about it. I can beat anybody here in a fucking amateur match. Well, not until Lesnar got there. Then that shit went away. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I said, there's a thousand fucking things that you wouldn't do in a fight. Oh, would you do this in a real fight? Not a wrestling match. Well, in a real fight bowling, would you do that? Well, number one, in a real fight, I wouldn't throw somebody in the fucking ropes and stand there and expect they'd come back to me. I wouldn't do that in a real fight. I wouldn't bend over and expect some stupid fuck to go flying 15 feet in the air. I wouldn't do that. Uh, I wouldn't throw them over the top rope and expect them to grab the ropes as I turn and celebrate to the crowd, and then they come back in the rain and fuck me up. I wouldn't expect that. There's a whole lot of shit we do that you wouldn't do in a real fucking fight. So what's your point? So then they changed it. Well, Kenny, here's what we're going to do. Because it's wrestling, and that, that was Rip Rogers, that was Rip's thing. Because <laughs> it's wrestling, this is what we're going to do. So that made more sense. Well, okay, we're doing it because it's wrestling. So, but no, when they used to tell me, well, would you do that in a real fight? 
Yeah, okay. Well, you show me the first guy that ever got thrown into a brick wall and he come bouncing back for a backdrop. I'm dying to see it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stupid shit in wrestling that you wouldn't do. You know, you mentioned your amateur career and you mentioned Brock Lesnar. What yeah. did you think of Lesnar when he first came through? Was just an intimidating was a, guy? I thought he was a roid-up fucking monster who uh, had a bit of a problem being a bully. Hmm. Uh, nobody here could fucking fight him, really, other than Sylvester Turkey. Turkey, he didn't want nothing to do with Turkey. We thought Mark Henry might give him a run. But other than that, that was about the only two around here that could physically put him in his place. And um, not a lot of people know this, but because uh, it got hid and swept under the rug. Uh, but he and some of his buddies had a, had a Roy problem while he was down here, too. And uh, he used to do a lot of shit he wasn't told to do. Now, I hear that since he found Jesus, God, or whoever it was he found, it seems like a lot of wrestlers find him. I think Jesus is hanging out in the locker room somewhere because there's sure enough of them finding him. And uh, not to <laughs> criticize my friend Russo, because Russo, I believe, has found Jesus too. I think Russo knows where I stand on that issue. I think, and but I just don't shove it down people's throats the way Cornette does. Cornette uh, does this shit to where if you believe in God or if you're a Baptist or a Catholic or whatever, and uh, then you're a fucking moron. You might as well believe in Easter Bunny and shit like that. And, and almost to a degree. I agree in some ways that if, well, if, if the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, and the Tooth Fairy are bullshit, then why is Jesus real? Uh, I've never seen him. At least I saw fucking Santa Claus. And But if, that, if that's what you need to get through your day, that's cool with me. Uh, just don't shove it down my throat, and I won't shove the fact down your throat that I do not think that there's such thing as exists. Because ain't nobody put, put anything on the table that I'm buying since they claim the day he rose from his grave. And there ain't any video of that. So I, I kind of like a little video. I should have been born in Missouri. I like for you to show me. So I, <laughs> so I called bullshit on religion when I was about 11 years old. And uh, I thought religion was a daycare for children because it seemed like mainly kids went and the parents stayed home. And I'm thinking, well, if church is so fucking important, why in the fuck ain't they going? Kind of what I thought to myself. Didn't dare say that at age 11. So, uh, but Jimmy just really shoves it down her throat and, and I'm known for not, I mean, I'm an independent, but if I had to be one or the other, I would be a Democrat. But fortunately I don't, uh, there's some things in the constitution and there's some things, uh, in freedom of choice that says I don't have to pick one side or the other, but if you put a gun to my head and made me pick one or the other, that's the side I would pick. Um, I've had a lot of negative shit happen that normally Republicans have something to do with. Uh, seems to mean a lot of, a lot of boys get molested in bathrooms on the Republican side and on the Democrat side, they seem to like to get, uh, we'll just go ahead and say it. Bill Clinton like pussy. And, uh, <laughs> so I got less of a problem with Bill getting a blowjob in the Oval Office than I do a Senator, but fucking a boy at an airport in Washington, DC. Um, <laughs> And, and, and then when it comes to the Catholic priest, I don't think we have to talk too much about what happens there. And, uh, but when you live this repressive life and restrictive life and everything is forbidden, I guess having sex with a little boy eventually looks good to some of these people because I can't fathom why so many priests uh, of the Catholic faith, and I'm not going to say other religions don't do it as well, but it seems the Catholics seem to be the ones getting caught and get on the news all the time. And my apologies to you if you're Catholic, because half my family is, and the other half is Baptist, and there's not too many that that that, that uh, choose my way of belief. Um, you had you had to be a brave man when I was a kid to say you were an atheist. 
uh, or that you did not believe or that you were agnostic. You had to be a brave motherfucker because, boy, people would fuck with you, cast. But what gave me the courage to stand up and speak for what I believe in and then also to give you the freedom to believe what you believe in and not give a fuck, you know, because uh, one of these religions is wrong. You know, um, I don't think that cow is as sacred as that one religion thinks it is. But if it is, we're all fucked. So, um, so that's kind of my, my view on that is that uh, whatever gets you through your day. And what gets me through my day is my belief. And if you believe... Uh, uh, judgment Day's coming, and and if you believe that uh, that if you eat meat on a Friday during Lent, you're going to go to hell. I differ with you, but if that's what you believe, then that's cool with me. Because boy, if you're right and I'm wrong, I guess I'm fucked. <laughs> and then obviously, what, what wasn't expecting that shit tonight, were you? No, I was going to say, well, obviously, wasn't expecting uh, that answer. That that was a that was a good one. You know, we went from uh, Cena to Lesnar to politics. It was Politi- uh, then to religion. There. Yeah, well, then their religion. Yeah, we ran the gauntlet. <laughs> we ran the gauntlet. You know, we were talking about Cena before. You know, and you said playing. You know, I saw him being a star. I just want to know which one of you is Catholic and which is Baptist. Who did I piss off the worst? I was raised Baptist, by the way. Oh, yeah, nice. they're, they're they're fucking mental cases too. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, before I piss anybody else off. I was going to say, you know, we mentioned you did say at the opening of the show that I piss a lot of people off. Well. Now you yep. see why. You pick on Catholics, Baptists, and Republicans. You've covered about 70% of the country right there by itself. Amazing that, I got any fans, isn't it? That's, hey, that's true, but you got to love right. the controversy. You got to love it. But I, like I said, Cornette shoves it down her throat, and I don't, uh, unless she asks me and push me on it. And, but otherwise, I don't really go there too much. So the you latest. had another question before I rudely interrupted you. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um the you know you, we mentioned Cena and Lesnar and all these other guys, but the last kind of well, big we, name, the other guy the other guy ain't talking much. You hogging a whole goddamn show? <laughs> so, um, poor guy. What about no, the what, no wonder he didn't no wonder he didn't show up the other day. He knew he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Good point. All right, go ahead. Now, what about the Miz? Uh, did you see well, anything who's, who's big talking, out of him? Who's talking to me? The money guy or the non-money guy? The money guy. The money I mean, man. Well, that's how it ought to be. You know, I'd do all the talking to if I had the money. I'd tell the other guys, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so the Miz, uh, you, you'd almost think I have ADD too, wouldn't you? I think I got A and like five Ds. I got a few. I don't focus <laughs> uh, The Miz, number one, I fucking hated him when he was here. I had to manage him. Uh, tried to get out of it. I also tried to get out of managing Rene Dupree because uh, he wasn't the funnest guy to be around when he got here. Uh, he and I get along now. I don't think the Miz... And I do, and I'll tell you why. He actually did cut a real good promo in WWE that I was proud of him over. So I took the time uh, to call him, leave him a message on his voicemail, and tell him how proud I was of him. And, of course, I don't hear shit back. I don't hear a fucking word. And I'm thinking, well, you arrogant little fuck. You've only been up there a short time. You pissed off everybody when you got there, including The Undertaker, which ain't a guy you want to piss off. And I told everybody that you were going to be a fucking problem when you got there. And then he finally do something right. And I pat you on the back over it. But, oh, you're too fucking big, too good fucking talk to me. So, okay, fuck you. And he never did respond to me. After me taking the time out of my schedule, which ain't all that fucking busy, to be honest with you. Uh, I was working one day a week at OVW and then bitching about that. And uh, in case I did a house show or something to sell merch. But, uh, but no, he was a prick when he got here. He thought he was a big fucking deal. He was a big TV star. He was on Big Brother. He was on MTV. And 
all the countless reality shows he'd done. And then he gets here, and of course, he thinks he's a big deal. There was just one problem. Most of our wrestling fans had no fucking clue who he was. They weren't watching Big Brother. I never watched an episode of Big Brother in my life until this year. I watched two episodes of it just because I couldn't believe how fucking stupid the first one was. Can they back it up? They did. And I'm thinking, this is the most overly produced, bullshit, scripted, crock of shit I've ever seen. It's worse than wrestling. At least wrestling has some ab-libbing going on it. There's none of that going on in Big Brother. Every fucking word is scripted. And, um, but apparently our fans didn't like Big Brother either or, or didn't watch a lot of MTV because almost none of our people knew who the fuck he was. And he was blown away by that fact. And he was a bit of a prick, hard to get along with. And um, I don't think we verbally had too much shit. I just think uh, uh, he didn't know who the fuck I was anyway. He didn't know my history. He just, once he got here, he got word that Bowling Services was the place to be. Because if you're in Bowling Services, that means the office is seeing your shit because it's always in the main event. And be he win or be he lose, Kenny's guys are getting called up. Sin is also managing. Sin is in the semi-mains most of the time, an occasional main event. And Sin sent one person up to the WWE their entire time she was here. I sent 54. So hmm. the track record speaks for itself. Oh, and the person that Sin sent up was Dave Batista. And I used to say, well, congratulations on that one. <laughs> there you go. Now you got one that the world's proud of because everybody hated him too. And, um, so, uh, no, the only two I managed that I really had problems getting along with were, um, Dupree and, uh, and Miz cause they were fucking hard headed and thought they knew everything when they got here, especially Renee. And then Renee's, uh, he seemed to fall in love with the, the weed and uh, he went out and wrestled a show on TV once to where his balls were hanging out, and he didn't even know it. Glassy-eyed as <laughs> shit. You'd have to be a retarded fuck not to know that he was stoned. And then he's standing up in the ring to the crowd and the camera. There we are. Got, got his boys hanging out right in front of broad daylight. Uh, we had to put a little blip over it. And I did say little. Had to put a little blip over it on the air <laughs> uh, to cover up what he'd done because, you know, the match was out there and it had aired. And, uh, but since then we've done a show or two together on some podcast and, you know, he, um, he tried to rib me one night at, at a restaurant, which wasn't cool. I think he took my keys to the airport with him and I had no way to get home. And, uh, so I think one of the boys told him, he says, you ain't dare fucking getting on that plane with Kenny's keys. He said, what you're going to do. And I can't remember who put the fear of God on him, but it was when they were traveling with WWE and we all went to dinner at Olive Garden. But he claimed it was a mistake. There's others tell me that it wasn't. So it depends if you want to believe him. A lot of people didn't. But he was told at the airport, you get your ass back to Oxmoor. Kenny's sitting there with his car that he can't go nowhere in. He doesn't have any spares. You get his fucking keys back to him. And if you miss the plane, so fucking be it. You get him his fucking keys back. And I can't remember. I can't remember if it was Aaron Idle Stevens or who. But somebody put the fear of God in him to bring those keys back to me. So he did, and he acted all, oh, Kenny, I'm so sorry. I grabbed your keys. I thought they were mine. I'm so fucking sorry. And I guess it's possible. But it didn't seem likely knowing him. So, uh, but that was where the real heat came in. And I, I told my son that night, I said, there's going to come a day that I'm going to get an opportunity to settle up with him on this. And it ain't going to be pretty. I said, I don't know how fucking tough he thinks he is, but if you're going to leave me stranded at 1.30 in the morning in a parking lot in Louisville, Kentucky, 
and think you're going to get by with it, I got another fucking story for you. So when he brought him back, Chris begged me to leave it be. He says, hey, no harm. We waited about an extra 45 minutes. You got your keys back. It ain't fucking worth going to jail over. It ain't worth getting heat going between you and him, between OVW and, and WWE. He says, for me, Dad, will you let it go? So, so I let it go. But I wasn't real happy that fucking night. And I don't know that I've ever told that story. So there's a new one for you. Oh, that's awesome. And it's cool because with Renee, I mean, obviously we've heard the stories even directly from him, you know. The line we have, Renee Dupree. (laughs) But, you know, but he's a guy that obviously it's very well documented in our show uh, multiple times. You know, the the problems that he had with guys on the roster. And he was so young at the time coming into an environment that. So, you know, I'm not making shit up then, apparently. Right. But, you know, you think he's so young coming into an environment that, you know, even though he had been around the business. He would shut up and listen. Exactly. (laughs) And he would know how to function. That's what we thought. But we found out quite otherwise. Right. And a tightwad from motherfucking hell. He was getting the guaranteed $750 a week. He bought a TV from me that he wanted to make payments on. A $250 fucking television. And, uh, and here he comes from a millionaire father. He's making $750 a week. He's living with people, mooching with people. He won't buy a car. He is the biggest mooch that ever fucking lived. At least he was then. I don't know about now. But he didn't have a dime going out in expenses, and he wanted to make installments on a fucking $250 TV. <laughs> and he's starting to hand me 20 bucks a pop. I'm saying, hey, that ain't fucking helping me at all. I said, yeah, I've got a lot of televisions, and I didn't mind selling you one of them. But, uh, you know, a couple of payments, you know, maybe I can understand that. But you make a lot more fucking money than I make, and I need this fucking TV paid for. Well, you'll take what I give you and be happy with it. I've already got the TV at my girlfriend's house. Your girlfriend, I said, you found some rat out there that let you moved in with them. Now she's your girlfriend. All right. So I went to Danny and Jimmy about it. I said, hey, I said, this is this bunch of shit. I said, the motherfucker's got my $250 TV in a rat's house. I said, it's more that. I said, I gave him a break. On the price because I fucking managed this dick. And I said, and he won't pay me for the goddamn television. I said, so what are we going to do about it? I said, because he's going to pay for the fucking TV. Oh, you goddamn right he is. He says, because I'm going to call the office and tell him how much he owes. What's he got left owing you? I said, about two twenty-five. I said, I've got about $25 out of this asshole. <laughs> he says, well, come next check. He's going to fucking pay you $225 or he's off the fucking roster. And he can sit around here with his fucking thumb up his ass. So they called Renee back, gave him a lot of shit, told him to quit acting like a fucking dick. And uh, we know goddamn well you got the money because you sure as fuck ain't spending none of it. And you pay Kenny the goddamn money you owe him or returned his fucking television. I said, I don't want the TV back. He's had it for a couple of fucking months now. I said, I want my goddamn money. So, All right, you'll get your goddamn money. And sure enough, by, by some um, act of God, uh, Renee uh, paid his money. Uh, See, I can mention God every now and then. So he paid me the phone. And like I said, last time I talked to him, we got along. Okay. He kept falling asleep on the show we were on. Uh, we were doing a show up, I think, based out of uh, Florida. And he fell asleep on the show that we were dual guests for whatever reason. I don't know why. And thank God I was on it because I was the only one awake. Because he <laughs> kept falling asleep. So I don't know. Um, I hope he's doing better. I don't wish anybody to being the funk he was in for as long as he was. And hell, I ain't telling any secrets. Everybody fucking knows it. And uh, they just didn't know that he was particularly a prick to me for a while. You know what? He might be so fucked up. He might not even know uh, just what a dick he was to me. Uh, another one that was a big dick to me, if I can think of his name. Uh, who was the, the tag team that went up there and they had Melina as their manager, that hot little Melina girl? 
who's now on this uh, Japanese television everybody talks about. Uh, Morrison? John, John Morrison? Uh, not Morrison. Morrison was cool as shit. He and I were cool. Oh, Mercury. Mercury. Joey Mercury. Mercury treated me like a fucking dick down here for a while, man. I mean, he was a motherfucking asshole. And uh, as I was towards the end of my OVW years, man, my health was starting to get pretty bad. I wouldn't acknowledge it. I just did everything I could to hide everything that was going on with me. And people just thought I was fat and lazy. What I had was congestive heart failure and an irregular heartbeat and retaining tons of fucking fluid. I had a lot of shit wrong with me that I didn't know because I wouldn't go to the doctor. And then finally, uh, I got rushed to the hospital one night after doing an appearance at a fan's house for a, a birthday party. It was me and Aaron the Idol Stevens. And I get rushed to the hospital, and that's when I find out I got congestive heart failure and a lot of shit in the world wrong with me. And there's a lot of people didn't think I was going to live another 30 days. They said 30 days I'd be fucking lucky. And that was... Fuck, I guess uh, 2001 or two, um, it, right about the time Cena got called up, give or take, a little before, a little after, and uh, but so I didn't really tell anybody a whole lot about it. Danny knew, Jimmy knew, but I didn't really talk to a lot of the boys about it, and just you know, just kind of hit it. And uh, as far as they were concerned, I was fat and out of breath all the time, and I couldn't stand very long. So I'm in the locker room, and number one, I've been at OVW since day one when the WWE got there. I've been there since 1990, November of 96, I think is when I started. Uh, November of 97 at the latest. I get the years confused a little bit. But either way, I've been there a long fucking time. Johnny Mercury, or Joey, oh, Mercury, what, was that what he went by, was Mercury? He was Mercury and Eminem, but he's also Joey yeah. Matthews. Yeah, Joey Matthews. I couldn't think of his damn name. I'm old. So he's, uh, they've gotten the call up to SmackDown, and I think they've gotten to do a Madison Square Garden show or two. And now he really thinks he's the fucking shit. He thinks he's a big fucking deal. So we're in this tiny locker room, especially when he got all the, the talent that had been called up that was still told to come and do Wednesday shows with us. And um, what else was it? The, the, Wendy, the, the Wednesday shows. And then we had our regular roster there. And then there'd be a few more trying to get on the roster. So the locker room was fucking crowded as shit. Well, I'm the senior talent there. I'm managed, I'm still managing. I'm still doing commentary. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think now I'm uh, mainly doing commentary, managing here and there. And I'm sitting in a chair. And here comes uh, Eminem. Mercury comes in. And he's standing behind me. And he goes, yeah. A lot of people get up and give the WWE star their chair. And he's not talking directly at me. He's talking to the room. Yeah, but some of these fat fucking pieces of shit around here think they're a big deal and they think they're bigger than the WWE talent and they just keep their fucking chair. But yeah, yeah, I think anybody with a knows how the fucking thing works around here, fat fuck would get up out of his chair and give his chair to the WWE star. So it's pretty evident he's talking to me. And But like I said, he's standing behind me. He's talking to the room. And this shit goes on for five minutes. And I'm thinking, do I turn and address this? Or do I just let this stupid fuck keep burying himself to the room? Because the, even the room is going, you got to be shitting me. They're trying, you know, obviously Kenny is not doing very well. He's here every fucking Wednesday to do the show. And whether you like him or whether you don't, you know, he, he, he gets our talent over one way or the other. And they're, they're getting pissed at Mercury. And... Um, Finally, I've had about all I can fucking take. You know, I, I don't know what the straw was that broke the camel's back. I think fat, I think fat fuck being 
being uh, muscled under his breath a few times finally got to me. I turned around. I said, jo I said, do you have, uh, Joey, something that you would like to say to me directly and instead of behind my back into the room and just won't address me directly? I said, you got something you fucking want to say to me? He says, yeah. He says, I think that most of the fucking B talent down here would get up and let the fucking stars have a chair, you fat fuck. I said, all right. I said, well, number one, that ain't going to fucking happen. I said, because you've been here about five fucking minutes, and I've been here for about 20 fucking years. I said, so that ain't going to fucking happen. I said, plus, I'm sick. I said, uh, I'm sure y'all think I'm sick because I'm fat. I said, I got news for you. If you want the truth, you can go to Danny and Jimmy. They will tell you what's wrong with me, because they're the only fucking ones that know. I said, so no, I ain't getting up out of the chair. Number two, I don't know how motherfucking tough you think you are, but this is a tiny room, and whatever I can do, I can get three or four steps. And I said, if you want to push this any further, I said, if you don't think I won't drive you through one of these fucking walls here, you got another goddamn thing coming. And then Jimmy overhears it. People told him what happened. And he went to Matthews. He said, yeah. He says, number one, he says, I think you need to leave Bowling alone. Number two, uh, I think the 50-something-year-old man probably deserves a fucking chair. Late 40s, early 50s. And um, he says, number two, he said, I don't know how tough you think you are. He said, but if Bolin gets three steps and drives his shoulder into you, you're going through one of those fucking walls, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and when the 50-something fat old manager is laying on top of you and you fucking need help from the boys to get him off from you, you're going to be buried for life. He said, so I strongly advise this shit end. So I never, you know, I hated Joey. I wouldn't fucking talk to him. He still wouldn't talk to me, even though after what Cornette had said. And then finally, one night at a Six Flags show, after he had been called up and they brought him back, and I'm going, fuck. I don't even want to be on this fucking show if that fucking dick's going to be there. But I go anyway. And there's Joey Matt. We're at catering. I'm on one end of Six Flags and basically 30, 40 feet away in the back. Joey's at the other. And all of a sudden, I see Joey get up and he's walking my way. I'm going, oh, fuck. Now it's Six Flags. We got to do this shit. And he makes his way to me and I'm sitting on a, you know, like I said, I can't stand very long. So normally I'm sitting wherever I'm at. He gets over there. I'm sitting at one of the picnic tables, and he comes up to me, and he says, Kenny, he says, I just wanted to come over here and just tell you how sorry I am. I look over at him. I said, sorry for what, Joy? He says, I know I said a lot of mean things to you, and I know I wasn't good to you, and uh, I don't know who that guy was, but that ain't the guy that's standing in front of you, and, I, and I'm sorry, and I hope you'll accept my apology. And I looked at him. I said, well, I said, I guess I'd be the biggest dick in the world if I didn't. And I said, yeah, you were hurtful. I said, I couldn't believe a lot of the shit you said to me. I said, because I never, ever did a thing to you. I was always kind to you. I said, I never, ever said one word out of the way to you. And I said, you just started treating me like a dick for no reason. He says, I know it. And I'm just letting you know I'm fucking sorry. Now, he didn't even say fucking because he'd found God by then. And I said, well, I said, I don't know what, what drove this. I said, but I hope you mean what you're saying. And I said, if you mean it, then I accept it. I said, if you're just over here fucking with me again, I said, I guess that'll come out to you. He says, no, 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 no. He said, that, that, that guy's gone. And you know what? Never had another problem out of Joey again. Hmm. And, uh, and I don't know that I've told that story. And Joey was in a place where I bet you he probably don't remember a lot of it because Joey would be riding around getting high with those that like to get high. And you probably know who some of those are. Renee Dupree would have been one of them. Uh, Randy Orton was guilty at times. Uh, he, he'd been in some bad, you know, like I said, I'm not telling y'all anything that people don't know. I'm not ratting people out. Where, oh my God, Randy Orton got high. 
you know, I don't think that's the news buster of the day. <laughs> and um, and me and Orton didn't really get along well. We'll tell that story another time because I think we got maybe four or five minutes here, give or take, before our hour's up. But, um, yeah, I, I've told you all some shit. I, have, I like to do that. I like to tell shit that uh, is true. And uh, it might get refuted, but I'm the one that doesn't do drugs and has a pretty goddamn good memory. And when a lot of these people have the problem with me, they did drugs and probably don't remember a lot of the shit they did. And uh, so me and Renee are cool now, as far as I know. If we're not, I'll get over it. And uh, last time I talked with Joey, he, he was as good as gold to me and, and was very nice. And, uh, and I wished him the best. Now that's- and, he had, and he had a decent little run up there. He did all right. Yeah, that's all. Just uh, even as soon, as uh, recent as about a year and a half ago on TV, still uh, part of yeah. one of the main storylines. So there but, you go. Oh, absolutely. But if he had not ever come over and apologized to me, I'd have wished him dead every time I saw him. I hated him that bad. Wow. And I I hated him. Wow. But it, t- it took a lot for him to walk over there, being the WWE star, and to come over to the old lowly OVW manager. And, and But he did it on his own. Nobody made him do it. He did it on his own because that, that shit had already been put aside. Cornette had talked to him. You know, you two need to fucking put your differences aside. I don't need you all fighting in the goddamn locker room. And uh, I hope you can knock that big motherfucker down because if he falls on you, you're fucked. <laughs> and you're gonna and you're gonna be buried to the locker room. You, you won't be able to look anybody in the eye in OVW if they think Bowling whipped your ass. That's a chance you don't want to take. And, and like I said, I can't even guarantee he remembers that. He was a whole nother person then. He was into that. Uh, you know, he was into a lot of shit, and I, I, I don't think he'll deny any of that. So, and I know that the, 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 the Renee and Joey heard this, they're going, what? That never happened. I got a lot of witnesses that'll tell you it did. And, uh, and like I said, I'm very proud of Joey that he had the guts to come over and do that. And I hope he remembers that part, because otherwise I wouldn't be fucking speaking to him. So, uh. So that might be a good story to wrap up question or two. No, I just uh, I want to wrap it up with, uh, you know, I just before we get to your plugs and just where everybody can hear your you shows. We're getting to those. God damn. Oh, well, that's why. But I just want to just want to ask you how your health is now, how you're feeling in the last couple of weeks. You know, I'm, uh, you know been... I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape. You don't even know what I just did. Dude. That's old Rodney Dangerfield line. Every single stand up that Rodney Dangerfield did, he'd walk out and. That big bug-eyed, greasy-haired old fuck, and turned out he, he he looked twenty years older than he actually was. He I just saw him on an episode of an old nineteen seventy-four Johnny Carson the other night, and I guessed him at sixty-five. He was fifty-two. He was fifty fucking two when he was nineteen. He looked thirty-five. <laughs> they showed a picture of him on the show. I was like, goddamn. That must have been when Rodney first got his start. He's about thirty, thirty-five. Rodney. Now, here I was 19. I said, what, 19? <laughs> you old-looking motherfucker? God damn. So, but every single show he ever did, you know, I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape. And then the crowd would fucking die, and then he would go on as to how miserable his life was, how bad his health was, his wife was cheating on him, his kids wouldn't give him any respect. I don't get any respect. I don't get any respect at all, you know? And, and uh, so those were the Rodney bits. That's what I was doing there. Uh, but no, my health, uh, well... Lord, this is hard to admit, but I've done it on some other shows. When I got into wrestling, and well, when I got into OVW in 96 or 97, whatever year it was, I weighed uh, 277 pounds. When I retired from OVW and then got put in the hospital, 
uh, for badly swollen ankles. And then they discovered I had the irregular heartbeat and the congestive heart failure and all that shit. That was in 2012, and I weighed 569 pounds. I had gained, fuck, almost 300 pounds in right at 10 years. And you think when you're in your 40s, you're as big as you're going to get. And and I kind of made it to like age 42, uh, 41, 42, that I was still hanging around the 270s. And uh, boy, when that irregular heartbeat apparently hit, it fucked me up. And I was gaining 35 pounds a year, eating the same shit I'd always eat, but the exercise wasn't there no more because my heart couldn't take it. I couldn't play basketball, couldn't play football, couldn't do the one and two mile runs around my neighborhood like I used to do with my son. And um, it just, over time, 35 pounds a year, and then all of a sudden, you're 569 pounds. You're uh, 31 pounds away from being 600 fucking pounds. So... Recently, and I want to say recently, seven or eight months ago, I went to the weight loss center at Baptist East Hospital, and they put me on a program and basically smartened me up. They said, Kenny, fat don't make you fat. Carbs and sugar make you fat. Don't worry about the, the fat you're eating. Don't worry about eating burgers. Don't worry about eating protein. Eat all the goddamn burgers and hot dogs and shit like that you want. Just don't eat them on a bun. Don't eat the sugar. Don't drink the sugar drinks. Matter of fact, give up Cokes as you can. So in the last seven months, well, eight months now, but I lost it in seven months, I went from 569 pounds to 466. So I lost 103 pounds, but I still look as big as a fucking house because I'm 466 pounds. But I have qualified for the weight loss surgery, and I will be having that probably within the next 30 to 45 days. And they say a year after that surgery that I very well meet might be back down uh, an excellent shot at being somewhere between 275 and 295 uh, within 12 months. So that's a gamble I got to take so, because at 56 years of age, I'm not going to lose it naturally and get that far down. Yeah, it was nice to lose the 100 pounds. I feel a little better. People tell me I sound a little better. Not getting winded doing a fucking podcast anymore the way I used to. Shit, 20 minutes in, I'd be blown up. There's my little, my little pit bull come to see me, wants to help wrap up the show. She thinks we're on camera. She wants to know why she can't see herself on the monitor. We're doing audio tonight, Chocodile. Chocodile's my sweet little pit bull. She's the sweetest little thing that ever lives. She loves her grandpa. It's actually my son's dog, but she stays here about four days a week. Two Cal is in the closet asleep because I put a, a doggy bed in there for him, and he loves that. So that's where he sleeps. And then I got a 17-year-old Labrador named Moo Cow. Used to be Misty. We call her Moo Cow. I'll take you out in a minute, honey. The show's about over. So, uh, yeah, I've got the, a pit bull and two Labradors here. The pit bull's three. The Labrador's two. The other uh, Labrador is 17. And then I got a cat here named Sylvester. And the reason why, he looks dead fucking like Sylvester. And uh, he is 17. So, uh, but, but the health, uh, I think this time next year, I'll, I'll be a hell of a lot better off. I, I'm not looking forward to it because I ain't going to be able to eat much. I'm getting the the, uh, the gastric sleeve, and you don't eat very much at all for several, several months. They said it would probably be eight months, six to eight months before I can even eat half a hamburger. So, uh, no, you don't eat much, so you save a lot on your grocery bill. And uh, But I eat free at so many restaurants around here, and now i got to sit there and watch other fucking people eat, so that ain't going to be no time. <laughs> well, you can hang out with your new bowling services crew there at the, uh, the, the bowling alley, but please... 
As we wrap up, please, and you do sound great, and it must be those microphones, but please share with I us and the I'm listeners. Marvelous. I'm marvelous. I know I am. <laughs> share with the listeners of the two-man power trip just exactly where they can find everything there is in the world of the star maker, Kenny Boland. Well, I, still enough, I still want enough shit. This might go another half hour. Uh, first of all, you're going to be uh, uh, one of the first few shows that I've announced the microphones on. I've got about... Oh, I think I've sold 20-some-odd uh, worldwide uh, to friends and personal friends that do podcasts or Skype a lot. They heard how good they sounded on these podcasts. They wanted their own microphone. And um, they're not $129 like my good buddy Vince Russo paid for his. I'm selling them for $59.95 and I think a few more dollars for shipping, depending where you live. Uh, if it's overseas, it gets expensive. I'll tell you that at a time. Uh, but if it's on the continental U.S., I think we ship them and tax them for under $10, so it's not bad. <clears throat> uh, the the Beats by Bolin, the trademark, the, the things that really got me uh, my fame on the Internet as far as merchandise sales, we've sold now over 3,500 sets of Beats by Bolins in the last three years. That's a lot of fucking headphones because I personally decorate either one of all of them with your uh, logos, either the BS logo, a sports logo, your company logo. Whatever you want, those are forty nine ninety five. You can add your own um, logo for another ten dollars uh, if I don't have it already. So if it's a company logo, no, I don't have your company logo sitting here in my house. If it's a sports logo and it's one of the more popular teams, there's a pretty goddamn good chance I've already got it, and there's no charge if I already have it. But if I have to special order them, uh, then uh, we charge you another ten bucks. And then if you want all the logos, you can have them. I think there's 24 on a sheet. Uh, the wireless uh, Budge by Bolin, that's the new Bluetooth wireless ones I have. Uh, those are only $39.95. Uh, we introduced them at $49. We've dropped them $10 because we're getting a much better buy because we're buying a shitload more of them. I've got the Beats by Bolin pill. You're familiar with the Beats pill, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, I sell the same thing. Looks identical to it, only it's for whatever reason got a Facebook logo on it. And uh, instead of 199 like you'd pay for the Beats version, mine is 59 And uh, the great thing about it is that it is made exactly like the Beats pill, construction-wise and everything. Uh, if it wasn't for that Facebook logo on there, you wouldn't know the damn difference. Uh, my book, I probably screwed you too. Uh, I have a few of those left in stock, uh, getting ready to order another shipment. We have now sold over 2,500 copies of uh, my book in exactly one year. And that blows Cornets away because his book's been on the market now for two years and he ain't cracked a thousand sales yet. And that's kicking his ass that his world famous ass has not sold as many books as I have. Now, Midnight Express beat me, but uh, he ordered 5,000 of them. He started selling them countless years ago. And uh, mine's only been on the market for one year. I think I will pass his Midnight Express sales probably this time next year. Uh, because he's not making any more. That 5000s up and done. Uh, so the book is uh, $25.95 shipped. We've got the Bowling Services t-shirts, the big BS logo. You have to know what it is, because if you've seen me, you've seen that fucking logo. And I shove it down everybody's throat, like Cornette shoves his uh, religion and politics. And those are $25.95 shipped. Uh, we got autographed pictures. If that's all you want, we do the autographed pictures for $10. But... If you buy some other things from me, then goddamn, I'll send you one for free. But if you're going to inconvenience me for just one goddamn picture, you tightwad assholes, I'm going to stick it to you <laughs> and charge you 10 bucks for it. 
and then probably $3 shipping. So there you go. So you can pay $13 for an autographed picture or just buy something, and I'll send you one for free. See, I'm easy to get along with. I'm not, I'm not a prick like Jimmy Cornette. I'm a nice guy. You well, sure I ain't got anything else? I, I got DVDs. Okay. I got the uh, Breakfast with Bolin, or Buffet with Bolin, uh, the shoot uh, thing that me and Cornette did where we do questions and answers for like two or three hours. And uh, that is sixteen ninety five. The best of BS DVD at six hours of my best stuff over ten years. That is sixteen ninety five. And uh, the best of Bolin and Cena. It is an eight hour DVD of nothing but me and John Cena fucking with everybody in the OVW leading up to the loser leave town match with me and John Cena uh, on OVW television. I wonder who won that one. <laughs> Now that's a cliffhanger, and definitely go over and get that DVD. And, and, and that's a and that's a two disc set, and I sell that one for only two dollars more. That one's eighteen ninety five, eight hours of mine and Cena's best stuff. Oh, and I've got the first five years of the Bowling Alley back when I was on Who's Slamming Who. Uh, that's an audio uh, CD. If you if you got something that'll play MP3s, uh, you can order that for sixteen ninety five. And there's uh, I think over a hundred shows on that uh, five year disc. So that ought to oh. And the movie I was in. I see, I've done every fucking thing, guys. I, I gotta, I, I've done my bucket list. The, my movie, The Ultimate Deathmatch 2, starring Kevin Nash, Al Snow, April Hunter, Kid Cash, Raven, uh, uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, countless others in this movie. And they say I stole the movie, but Jimmy Cornette said it was petty theft. They said that movie wasn't released, that it escaped. <laughs> but <laughs> Ultimate Deathmatch 2, I'm in it, uh, and I got a great part in it, mainly because I ad-libbed the whole fucking thing, and they loved it. I didn't do one thing that was on the script, because I hate fucking scripts. And they loved it. They said print it, and uh, it was about a four- or five-minute bit. They left it in the movie. And, um, and hell, it was actually sold in Walmart for a few years. I, I don't know if you can get it there now, but so that's why I sell it. And uh, so that's sixteen ninety five. All kinds of big wrestling stars in it. Uh, Jimmy Valiant's even in it. That's a who's who to say the least. Well, Kenny, this God is damn hell. You're you're probably wanting that DVD now. I bet. I'm mean, like, John's my money guy. So John will. Uh... John the money guy. How much money John got? He might be my money guy. He might be doing my show at the end of the night. He might be the new host of the bowling alley. My guy's in England and ain't got dick. Well, he he's co he's co-host material. I don't know if he's host. He's definitely co-host. So co-host. I don't know. He didn't say a whole lot. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time tonight, and obviously, well, we didn't even you scratch you the surface. Well, of course. You Thanks do. for you listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.